He didn't approve of my choices, but he talked with me as if I had mattered. There was something about being with him that had made me feel as though his presence could make a real difference in my life.
know about you, but that is a calming song, isn't it? Because the truth of that song is living in the presence of Jehovah. And of course, we do live in the presence of Jehovah. God is omniscient. He's omnipresent. He is holy. He's loving. He's just. And uh, why would we not want to be in His presence? And the reality of that is staying in that presence, yes, spiritually, but also in our minds. We've been talking about that on Wednesday nights, about uh, staying in the castle in our spiritual warfares. And I trust that uh, you'll take advantage of maybe some of those uh, previous lessons and then joining us on Wednesday nights for further lessons. Thank you so much for that wonderful, wonderful song. Many of our choir members are ill this morning. So I, I'll tell you, that's, uh, we're looking forward to them getting all well again. I'm looking forward to the Christmas program and all. I understand we're going to put on a Christmas uh, pageant for the children as well and things like that. And a lot of that stuff's in the bulletin. And uh, just looking forward to what God's going to do. So let's take our Bibles now, if you would, and turn to Matthew chapter 5. We are in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount. And as I've said previously, as Israel was looking for their Messiah to come, and I liked how that song ended, in the presence of the King, Jesus Christ is King. He's Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Aren't you glad about that? I'm going to tell you something. If you don't want Him to be your master, every other master is a bad one. There's only one good master. It's Jesus Christ. I don't know what gets in people's minds when they think that they want to live in this world. The world's a horrible master because the prince of this world is Satan. And the philosophy of this world, the lust of the flesh, the lusty eyes, and the pride of life has nothing but grief and heartache. Though on the surface, the Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season. But oh my, 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 what comes afterwards? And I want to encourage you, make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Have Him as your Savior and let Him take charge and let Him uh, control every aspect of your thinking process and everything that goes on in your life. Well, here in Matthew chapter 5, He comes on the scene, a very horrible time of history. The Roman government in their uh, hierarchy and, and all the evils of their pride and, and lust and licentiousness and all those things that were going on. Uh, the debauchery of mankind was at one of its heights. Uh, and yet the Lord came on the scene. And here He's going to bring His first message to a multitude. This is in His second year of His life of ministry. He's 31 or 32 or 33. We're not exactly sure how old He is, but uh, right around there, 31 years of age. He's uh, developed quite a following now. And uh, He goes up on this mountain or a plateau as... Uh, some of the Greek words would indicate. Uh, but up there, and uh, several people go up there with him, called disciples. Those were people who were following him. The reason they were following him is they wanted to know more about him. This isn't just his twelve. They were uh, going to be called apostles, ones that are going to be sent out. But a disciple is someone who follows. They're wanting to learn. They're a learner. It comes from the word mathetus, which we get our word math, a learner. So they're trying to discover, who is this Jesus? Some of them were Pharisees, religious leaders. And they were up on this mountain, and His popularity is growing. And so many people are up there. And He begins to bring this message, which I've said before, takes about 15 minutes to read it from the U Bible, or have the U Bible read it to you. And yet it's going to take us a year 
to uh, dissect at least partially of what's in here. I'm going to tell you something. You cannot exhaust the Scriptures. And every time I get up here to speak, and even from the first message, from what I studied this morning, early on this morning, or this week, or when we did this ten years ago, I'm going to tell you something. There is so much here in this idea of being a peacemaker. And I'm going to tell you something. I want you to put your hats on and your heads on and, and get your thinking process in the game here. God tells you to be a peacemaker. And in these 15 minutes of his preaching in the Sermon on the Mount, he brings a philosophy, concepts that are so contrary, so counterculture. By the way, you're living today in a world that you will become a counterculture. Don't try to fit in. The Bible says you are a peculiar person if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. This world has a philosophy that is so contrary to the philosophy of Jesus Christ. And as you read this there in chapter 5, and there uh, he opened his mouth and about the poor in spirit. And again, we talked about there's eight of these Beatitudes. It's humbling to read these Beatitudes. It's convicting to read these Beatitudes. I'm telling you, folks, we all ought to be grabbing hold of these attitudes that God is saying as ought to be a part of our lives. Now, this is not what saves you. Aren't you glad for that? Woo! If this is what saved you, we would have no hope. No hope. Because we can't measure up to the glory of our God. But yet, God wants us to emulate these attitudes. God wants the Holy Spirit. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes into you. And the Holy Spirit ought to live out of your life. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. These attitudes ought to be coming out of us, not as a natural going to school, learning type of thing, but an uh, environment of the Holy Spirit coming out into the world that we live. You can only live the Christian life as God lives in you. And He takes the ownership of your life. Marvelous thing of Wednesday nights is we've been talking about our position in Christ. And the more we understand who we are in Christ, the better we can live our lives for His glory. So this poor in spirit, being a beggar, coming to that place. And truly, this is a response that we have of understanding when we, we are brought aware of our sin. That we are in need of a Savior. And then he goes on, and then those that mourn, and truly, as we grow in our faith, or as we understand sin, and we understand the holiness of God, and as we gain greater understanding of who God is, the more we mourn over our difficulties of our sinful lifestyle that we might have engaged in throughout the week. I'm going to tell you something. We ought to never stop mourning for sin. Not only your sin, but the sins of others. And then he goes on, blessed are the meek. Because, you know, right now as you mourn for your sin, you mourn for the other folks' sin. As, as people falter in their lives, in their walk, and as they fail, instead of trying to seek revenge, you have a meekness about you. And, 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 you, and, you, and you have that mourning and you want to see people grow. There's a meekness. And then those that hunger and thirst, as we've poured out ourselves in these first four, now we fill up ourselves in a thirst for righteousness. 
Well, that ought to be a part of the qualities of our life. There should be a hunger there. And then he goes on now, once you've understood who you are and these qualities and, 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 and these foundational principles of, of, of ourselves, then, then we can be merciful. And I'm going to tell you something, whenever I want to point a finger at somebody else, I understand that there are four fingers pointing back at me. Maybe there's a thumb and a finger pointing at you, but at least there's three fingers pointing back at me. And I need to consider myself. It's amazing how people can, after they've accomplished maybe some victories in their lives, or they don't have a problem in some area, how easy it is to pick apart somebody else that has those problems. I tell you what, I got enough problems. How many problems do you have, by the way? Cheryl, I know you have a whole bunch of problems, all right? Boy, she's our secretary here, and I see him every week. But I'm merciful. I'm merciful. I won't tell you all about them. See me after church, and I'll tell you some of them, though. Right or wrong? You see what I'm saying? I consider myself, lest you find yourself getting a little proud. And God knows how to bring down the proud. Y'all figured that out? <laughs> Woo. So then he goes on, not only merciful, but those are pure in heart. In other words, wanting to, to keep that right relationship and being that example of, of righteousness. You see, the only way I can have a pure heart is Jesus Christ coming into my heart to cleanse my dirty heart. And give me His righteousness, imputed righteousness, not my righteousness, but God's righteousness. And then, as I see myself in Christ, how I want to live for Him. And then we get into the peacemakers. The peacemakers. This is interesting. Here, the Lord Jesus Christ, and He's given this. And many people were looking for their King to come. Jesus Christ truly is King. But he says, this, my world, this kingdom is not of my, this world is not, he said it something like that. What is it? My, this is not my kingdom, this world. This world's not my home. That's our song, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. But Jesus Christ said, uh, when Pilate questioned him about him being king, he says, this is not my, my kingdom or else my, my uh, followers would rise up and take swords. Christ came to bring peace into this world. And this peacemaker, John the Baptist, even after seeing all of his miracles and things that would be uh, taking place, he wondered if he was the real Messiah and asked him, was he going to set up his kingdom? And though he's not setting up his kingdom physically in this world, he wants to set up his kingdom in our hearts. Amen to that? I hope he's king of your heart, as the song went on to talk about. After the feeding of the 5,000, they wanted to take him and they wanted to make him king right then. But to become king right then would become anarchy to the Romans. It was not to be king of this world, but to be king of your life. The word peace is recorded 420 times in the Bible. And yet we can ask ourselves, what is peace? When we moved to Eugene, Oregon, and some of you remember the 60s when the peace movement was around. The peace movement was still around a little bit in the 70s, back east even. In fact, when I graduated in 1973 from high school, we uh, got our class rings, and on our class ring was the peace symbol. Now, I don't know all the... Uh, the uh, 
The start of the peace symbol, someone told me later that it was a broken cross upside down. And I don't know whether that's really true or not. I've never studied it out. Maybe you go home and study it out. But had the peace symbol on. And we were, we were kind of the end of the flower children in 1973. But when my wife and I moved out here in 1979, the peace movement was still alive in Eugene, Oregon. 1980, 1990, 2000, 2010, and 2015, the peace movement is still around in Eugene, Oregon. The trouble is, people don't know what peace is. And because of sin in this world, there will never be peace in this world. You all understand that? And in fact, when man sinned, Romans 5.12 says, As by one man sin entered in the world, and death by sin, and so death has passed upon all men, for all have sinned. And you see right on the onset of Adam and Eve's sin that Cain slew his brother Abel, and there have been wars and rumors of wars since time began after the fall. And yet today there are people that are crying peace out there, and they don't know what peace is. In fact, as I was studying for this, in 1968, they were doing a survey of history and discovering how many wars there have been since uh, 36 B.C. to 1968. There have been 14,553 wars recorded. Since 1945, the end of World War II, there have been 70 wars War is a part of this world. Someone said, the glorious moment of peace is when everyone stops to reload. I thought that was quite interesting. The Bible says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. And when we talk about peace and the peace movement, we have to understand that this peace is not only in wars, but it's also in relationships. It's also in peace in your soul. And it's hard to create peace to others if you don't have peace in your soul. And so I want to ask you, do you have peace in your soul? Not only in in regards to eternal life, but in regards to living the life that's still here in this world. In the Bible, it talks about In Ezekiel, and we know that in the end times, people are going to cry out peace. In fact, the Bible says people cry out peace and peace, but there will be no peace. The Antichrist is going to come, and he's going to come out to unite all the nations together, to have a one world government, and the way he's going to do that is he's going to offer peace. And apparently, from the Scriptures, we see that there's going to be a period of peace that he ushers in to this world for approximately three and a half years. But then after that three and a half years, the reality of what's there is going to become known to this world, and there's going to be such troubles and turmoils that no one has ever seen before. Be careful when people cry out peace, because there's only one who can bring peace, and that's Jesus Christ. Notice these verses here, because this is not only now, but people have been seeking peace and and offering peace. 
Here in Ezekiel, and many of you are familiar with the passages of the minor prophets and the major prophets, Ezekiel being one of the major prophets. The reason this is called the major prophets because of the length of it. But he pre- presents the, his message after the captivity. Some of the prophets are, are, are presenting their message to Israel, some of them to Judah and all. But this is after the captivity, after both Judah and Israel are destroyed. And he's talking to people there. And, and actually, Ezekiel is right in that time when the captivity is taking place. And so it kind of crosses from just like Daniel, where, uh, where, where well Daniel's a little bit later, but, uh, but but Ezekiel is talking about how Israel is about ready to be taken. You begin reading in the first parts of Israel, and there were people and, uh, that were not listening to the prophets. They were not listening to to God's servants, and they were poo pooing it. In fact, they threw Jeremiah in a dungeon because of his message that they thought was anti nationalism, and 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 people would not listen. And yet these prophets were crying out and they were lifting their voices and they're saying, listen, God's judgment is coming. Boy, would it be today that Ben would cry out today, say God's judgment is coming. It is coming, by the way. We need to get right with God. Notice what Ezekiel says in 1310. He says, because even because that they would seduce my people. Here were the, the national leaders. Here was the, 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 the leadership of, of Israel or of Judah, excuse me, probably, uh, saying peace. They were seducing people. They were getting people to think that peace was tangible. Yet they were so far away from God, they didn't even see the troubles that were coming their way. And there was no peace. And then it, it says, and one built up a wall and lo, others dubbed it with untempered mortar. What does that sound like? Sounds like a wall that's not going to stand when the troubles come. This is showing man's effort to protect themselves against the coming judgment. Is it going to work? It will not work. Untempered mortar. In uh, Jeremiah eight eleven, For they have healed the hurt of the daughters of my people slightly. You know, it's... It's one thing to believe something and how it can give you warm, fuzzy feelings. It's another thing, the reality of what's going on. There's a lot of positive things and people talking about all these good things and everything else. And, and, and so it's saying there, they've healed the, the people's eyes saying, peace, peace. But there is no peace. There is no peace. An interesting passage there. Uh, Psalm 28, 3. Draw me not away with the wicked. The psalm is saying. And with the workers of iniquity. Which speak peace to their neighbors. But mischief is in their hearts. There's an alternative motive. We have elections coming up. Be careful what you hear coming out of the mouths. Examine what is reality. Israel was being caught up into this peace movement. And we all would love peace. We wish there wasn't wars going out there and people dying and all the tragedy that's going in this world. But man's heart is desperately wicked. And the only way a man will find peace is with the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. Until you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, there's not going to be peace in your soul, nor is there going to be peace with your maker. I wonder, have you made peace with your maker? Uh, 
Alicia Schick came up and said when Esley, when he was still alive, asked, was asked, have you made peace with your maker? He says, I didn't know there was a problem. <laughs> now, the tragedy is most people don't recognize that there's a problem. And there's a big problem. And you're going to get into this as we study this out. Destruction cometh and they shall seek peace. And there shall be what? None. James tells us why. Now this passage is not talking about the destruction of Israel or Judah. And the wars of a a physical conflict. This is actually talking about conflicts in the church. Conflicts in relationships, conflicts in your families. And notice what it says here. He's going to tell us the reason why we have wars and why there's fightings, why there's church divisions, why there's struggles going on in marriages and things like that. Come they not hence, even of your what? Lusts. And I want you to catch on to this because most times we fail to realize what is the foundation of the wars and conflicts that's going on in our churches or in our marriages or in relationships. It's the lust of a man's heart. The Bible talks about the three root sins and every sin goes back to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. I've heard it says that if a man has an anger problem, that usually there's a lust problem behind it. We take care of those root sins. We'll see those things that are fluffing out there and and spreading out their, their works out there. You take care of the problem of the heart. God will take care of those other issues that are out there. He says, you lust and you have not. You kill. Now, that's an interesting word. You kill. He's talking about the church. How do you kill somebody in church? Gossip. Hatred doesn't in the Sermon on the Mount say that if you have hatred in your heart towards your brother, you've committed murder. You know, listen, folks, as we go through these beatitudes and everything, we can all say, man, I'm glad that I don't go out there and I don't do this and I don't do that. And these things like this. Listen, we Jesus Christ is bringing these are heart issues here. I need to look in my heart. You lust, you have not, you kill, and you desire to have, and you cannot attain. You fight and war, yet you have not, because you ask not. You ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lust. He's saying that even in our prayers, it's self-centered. Selfishness is the root of all these things. You adulterers. And adulterers, remember I brought this out when we talked about the purity of our hearts. When he says you adulterers and adulteresses, he's not talking about the physical act of having an affair with some other woman or some other man. He's talking about having an affair amongst God and yourself. When you love yourself more than you love God, he's calling it adultery. Does that take you back a step? When I saw this and I read this, I'm thinking to myself, oh my. Oh my. Know ye not that friendship of the world? He's, again, he's talking to Christians. He says, friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. That's some strong language, isn't it? I have to examine myself. If I have a double-minded, that means I'm loving myself and loving God. He says, you're going to hate one of those masters. Come to hate to love the self that you have inside of you and find the peace that God can bring 
into your soul. You know, people are looking for all kinds of peace, aren't they? They're looking for peace in their soul. And and so uh, this next verse it talks about that that peace is only going to come from the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to these verses. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. You know, people go to counselors to discover the peace that they can have in their soul. Let me tell you something. Go to Jesus Christ. He's the wonderful counselor. His words are the words of life. He even tells us, a merry heart do a good like a medicine. You know, people will go to pills to find peace in their soul. When reality is that they need to come to Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to poo-poo some of the things that are going on today. And I'm not going to tell you to stop all your medication and go out and kill yourself or something like that. That might take place. But to tell it, I'm going to tell you, you find peace with Jesus Christ and let His peace rule in your heart. And the trouble is most people have not learned how to use those tools. And therefore, they go to other tools that are only propping you up and there's real solutions out there and sometimes you you might have to wean yourself off one to go to the other but there are real solutions out there it's a wonderful counselor he's the mighty god he's the everlasting father and he is the prince of peace some people have turned to the bottle i've i've had people say you know why they drink when they come home from work they take some beer and they say you know i just want to calm my soul i'm going to tell you something jesus christ can calm your soul it's not in a bottle. It's in Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. The more you discover Him, the more peace you'll find in your soul. Look what it says here. And then we don't just quote this at December 25th. Glory to God in the highest. The angels were saying this to the shepherd. Talking about Isaiah 9, 6 there. Glory to God in the highest on, on earth. Peace. Goodwill towards men. The Savior has come. He's the Messiah. Oh, to make peace with God. Bible says in John 14, 27, peace I leave unto you. And by the way, this is just before he is ready to be crucified. And he's telling his disciples, listen, I'm going to leave you my peace. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. Give I unto you, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That night when they took Jesus, were their hearts afraid? Oh, one of them denied him three times. The others fled for fear. And Jesus had just told them, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. They didn't see how big God was in the plan that God had. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's so clear in the scriptures that this peace only comes through Jesus Christ. Do you know him? Have you made peace in your soul by putting your faith in Jesus Christ? In First Corinthians, or excuse me, Colossians 1, 19 and 24. It pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all. All things unto himself, by him I say, they be things in earth or things in heaven. God has reconciled us to himself. He has made it right in your acceptance of Jesus Christ. You've made peace with God by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Amen to that. 
I am so thankful for that. Ephesians, and again, this is so clear in the Scriptures, there's only one way to have peace with God. But now in Jesus Christ, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for He is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. You see, our sin is what separates us from God. And when Jesus Christ died on that cross, He ripped the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place. And He tore it apart, giving us access into the holy God. Could you imagine in the Old Testament, the Bible talked about that no man could stand before the holy presence of God because His holy presence would slay them. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross, now we can come boldly to the throne because of having peace with our Maker, the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.10 says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. It's hard to interpret that any other way. Would you not agree? You know, when people say, well, there's all these different interpretations. There's all these ways to God. Let me tell you something. That's a lie from hell. There's only one way to God, and it is through Jesus Christ. Very clearly brought out in Scriptures. Just pick up the Bible and find it. And if you don't have Him, you need to get Him. And I beg of you, find peace with God. Sometimes people are saying, well, listen, I'll make peace later. And it's, it's, it's no big deal right now. It is a big deal. You don't know what tomorrow will hold. And if you're not certain where you're going to spend eternity, you need to put your faith in Christ. Years ago, I went counseling and, and I visited with a man who was going to have esophagus cancer uh, uh, removed. And uh, they were going to bring his stomach up from where it is all the way up about two or three inches. I don't know how far it was, but brought his stomach all the way up here. And, and several years ago, it was a very, very dangerous surgery. Today, it's a little bit uh, uh, more uh, success rate. But back then, it was like an 80% fatality rate. And I pleaded with him. Mike, I says, oh, you need to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And his wife was there. And she says, oh, he's going to be all right. You don't need to, to trouble him about death. You don't need to trouble him about life after death. It's going to be all right. He died on the operating table. And to my knowledge, never accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. If you're not certain whether you have peace with God, you need to cry out to Him and make peace with Him by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And God will take away all of your wretched rags of sin and give to you His royal garments of His righteousness. Peace with God. Now, now we come to this place of being a peacemaker. It's hard to be a peacemaker if you don't have peace in your own soul. And notice what he says here. And all things are of God. And who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And hath given unto us now this ministry of reconciliation. He's given unto us this ministry of reconciliation. As Jesus Christ said on the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, be a peacemaker. This isn't just for the pastor. This is a command to all of us. By the way, the word peacemaker is an adjective. It is a description of the, a description of the qualities of who we are in Christ and ought to be reflected in our, in our lives. And what Paul is telling the Corinthian church, the Corinthian church... 
you now are given this ministry of reconciliation. Now, in this passage, what is the ministry of reconciliation? The gospel. Absolutely, Mike. Now, we need to stop there. If I'm going to be a peacemaker, if I'm going to be obedient to the Lord, then I need to be going out there and giving the gospel to this world. That is our ministry. Victor, you have a ministry of spreading your faith and the truth of Jesus Christ. Mike, you've got the ministry of reconciliation. And the only way a person is going to be reconciled is for them to put their faith in Christ. And you need to tell people about that. I'm amazed of how often we keep our mouths shut when we should be opening them and telling people about Jesus Christ. This world needs Jesus. A man is not going to be reformed through the philosophies or education of this world. The only way a man's going to be reformed is be transformed. And that's through the metamorphic process. That's what the word in Romans 12, 2 says, be a transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word in the Greek is metamorphosis. God takes an old ugly worm and turns you into something different. That's the power of God that works through you. Praise God for that. He's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Yes, the gospel. Now, here, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Listen, we ought to be out there, yet not only in the gospel and presenting uh, the truth of the gospel, but we ought to be uh, departing from evil and seeking that good and seeking that peace. Flee that, that lust. Follow righteousness and faith and charity and peace. These are the things that ought to be a part of our lives. Don't act like children. Grow up. Hebrews 12, 14, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. If a man doesn't come to know Jesus Christ as a Savior, he will not spend eternity in heaven. We'll have an eternity in hell, as the Bible so warns a man. He talks about in the armor there, your feet shod with a preparation of the gospel of peace. My feet need to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Let my words be proclaiming Jesus Christ. So in this peace now and becoming a peacemaker. Number one, the idea of sharing the gospel. I don't want to move away from that too quickly. Do you all get it? You shake your head this way or this way or just keep staring at me. Sometimes I have a way of putting you into a mesmerized uh, coma. Get it. I need to get it. I need to get it. He's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That's helping people come to know Jesus Christ. But then even in this idea of being a peacemaker, that's in relationships. That could be in church. That can be in our homes. That could be in our marriages. That could be with our families, our parents, whoever. Notice what he says here. And again, as I said, that the, the, the reason why so many people don't go into peace is because that there is... Uh, this, uh, this selfishness that comes into their lives. And he says, better is a dry morsel and quietness therein than a house full of sacrifice and strife. 
Notice what Ecclesiastes, or is it here? It says, if it is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. We get ourselves in those situations of warfare because we meddle where we shouldn't be. Ecclesiastes, by the way, who wrote Proverbs? Solomon did. Who wrote Ecclesiastes? Solomon. Do you think he's learning something? He says, better is a handful with quietness than both hands full with travail and vexation of spirit. I like that word vexation. That sounds like a word that you don't want to have a part of. And I think about this. Solomon had both handfuls. They said that they paved the streets of Jerusalem with silver because it was so plentiful. He'd made his shields for his soldiers out of gold. And God, Solomon is saying, listen, it's better to have one handful. I'm telling you, it's better to have one handful than to try to keep getting whatever I can get and getting the last word and making sure I have my way. Selfishness. By the way, Solomon not only had handfuls of, of stuff, he had handfuls of women. He had a thousand wives and concubines. And he's the one that said, you know, it's better to be up on the rooftop than with a contentious woman. Now, I'm trying to think of some politically correct statements that I can make for the men so that the women don't feel bashed here this morning. Let me just say this. It was his fault. Yeah, there you go. The previous verse, strong or foolish. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Should that be for Westside Baptist Church? This is one of the Psalms of Ascent. Remember, I preached on this a while ago, talking about Aaron's, uh, the flow of the perfume upon Aaron's uh, beard there and everything. And, and oh, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That can be your homes. That can be in your neighborhood. That can be at your job. That can be in church, wherever it might be. I'm going to tell you something, my friends. People feel justified by their unforgiveness, or they feel justified by pointing the finger at somebody else that has a problem or a struggle, or they were irritating you in some way in your life, and you haven't gotten over it. Unforgiveness is a poison. Someone has said it's like drinking cyanide and hoping it kills your neighbor. Now, right now, you know, as I get into this, right now, God might be bringing somebody to mind. There ought not to be one person in this church that you have odds with. Not one person. You ought to love everybody. But you just don't know what they said, what happened. That's not what makes it right or wrong. You need to have forgiveness. You need to have love in your heart. The Bible says here in the Sermon on the Mount, love your enemies. You know, sometimes it's easier to love your enemies than to love those you love. Sometimes those that are closest to you can find their way to your button. 
You all know, men, you have a button, don't you? Jose, you got a button. I haven't found it yet. You're such a great guy. I don't think you do anything ever wrong. But his wife is shaking her head. I found his button many a time. And, and when I'm just irritated enough, I'm going to go after and start poking at his button. You know, sometimes when we feel bad in ourselves, we go try to irritate others. Children are that way, aren't they? If it is possible. <laughs> okay, now listen. Peace is not a truce. Peace is not politically correctness. Sometimes people think, well, you know what? We're just going to create peace because we're not going to say anything negative. We're not going to tell people truth. We're just going to let people, let, let bygones be bygones and don't, by, by, you know, whatever it is out there. I'm going to tell you something. After this portion of Scripture, or after this seventh beatitude, what's the eighth beatitude? Blessed are those who are persecuted. You know why they're persecuted? Because they stood for righteousness. When you go through the scriptures and you read about Jeremiah and you read about Isaiah and these prophets that were standing up there, that, that they, they were accused of, of, of not being politically correct. <laughs> and they were persecuted. I'm not saying you go out there, it's not peace at any cost. Sometimes you don't let the, the, the lying dog lay there with its fleas. And an act of love might be to be honest with somebody. And there have been times where I've been honest with people. And I said, listen, 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 please listen. This morning in Sunday school, I brought up a situation where a man was a part of our church for many years. He came even as a youth director in our church and all. And he was discovered for embezzlement up in uh, Portland. And in that time that he had been embezzlement up there in Portland, we thought that maybe there was some embezzlement that had taken place here in the church. And we put in every parameters of things to make sure that our finances are, are governed properly. And I wrote him a letter and I said, listen, if there's anything that's amiss here at Westside Baptist Church, now's the time to get it right. God laid that on my heart while I was on my knees. And I felt like I needed to tell him. Again, sometimes you let the dog sleep and sometimes you go after the fleas. You let God speak to your heart and I felt God spoke to my heart. He drove down, Brother Larry, from Portland and he says, how can you slander me like this? And I just wrote a private letter between he and myself. He says, I'll see you in court. He took me to court and he sued me. He lost. And he committed suicide six months later. When God lays something on your heart and you follow through with it, not always is the outcome peace. Not always is it warm, fuzzy feelings. But may I say to you, be right with God and your right stand before the Lord. In this world, there's not going to be peace. And listen, if you're trying to seek peace with the world out there, you're not going to find it. This world is at odds with God. Now, there's a difference between contending for the faith and being contentious. There's one thing about being to disagree with somebody. It's another thing to be disagreeable. You know, some people just enjoy their stand and love 
to point their fingers and get on their high horses. And let me tell you something. I hope you don't go that way either. Both, both extremes are wrong. Both extremes are wrong. There's not quarrelsome, and yet there's not truces in, in sacrificing truth for truce. Ahab and Elijah are a good example of that. You find that, that Ahab... Uh, after Elijah came and says, listen, there's not going to be rain for three and a half years. After that three and a half year period, Ahab finally runs into Elijah. And he says, you're the one that troubles Israel. Ahab was pointing his finger at Ahab. My, 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 my. If he only realized what he had accomplished, maybe Israel would have been different. So here we come to this piece is, is the understanding. And then let's quickly follow through with these things. He says, finally, brethren, farewell, be perfect. The idea of being mature there. Grow up. It is children who argue over who got the biggest piece on the candy bar. Right or wrong? Be of a good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Can I tell you right here is where the warfare is going on. Yes, I have peace with God because I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. But there is a spiritual battle going on between the spirit and the flesh. And that spirit oftentimes takes place right in here. He shouldn't have said that. Why did that person do this? Well, what if this? The warfare of the mind. Carnal mind, fleshly mind is death. But the spiritual mind is life and peace. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. You know, God is able to give you the strength to have the right kind of peace. And in fact, the workings of the Holy Spirit is the, the fruits will be manifested through love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithness, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. One of the verses that I've been memorizing is Romans 15. Uh, 13, which says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you might abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. God will give you that power. God will help your mind. You know, there are many songs that are written in the Scriptures. And in fact, this world, you want to be a reconciler, your testimony when things are going wrong in your life and your testimony to others is a strong proclaimer of the power of God. God is not dead. God is not small. God is big enough to take care of anything that comes our way the way He sees fit to take care of it. You know, the song is one of Ernie's favorite songs. Uh, It is well with my soul. You know the story. It is well with my soul. Brother Stafford, his family had gone earlier to England on a boat, and the boat sunk. And his two girls, I believe it was, drowned at sea. And he got a telegram back from his wife after hearing the tragedy, and it said, saved alone. Mr. Stafford knew that his daughters had died, drowned. You think of the tragedy that's taken place in Roseburg. You think of the tragedy that's taken place all over this world. How do you get through something like that? Mr. Stafford got on the next boat and headed to England. And as he was going across the ocean, he came to that spot. And the captain says, this is the place. 
when the boat went down. You can imagine what grabbed hold of his heart. He went and he wrote the song, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. I'm going to tell you something, to have peace in your soul. I'm not talking about just wars out there. I'm not talking about just church or families or marriages or or neighbors. I'm talking about peace in your soul. Control your mind. Live in the presence of Jehovah. Thank you, honey, for singing that song this morning. Live in the presence of Jehovah. Oftentimes we come in and we enter into battles here. Live in the presence of Jehovah. James 3, 15, 17 to 18. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure and peaceable, gentle and easily to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Flee youthful lust. Flee the double-handed mindset. Last words. Thou will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is Where? stayed on thee because thou trust him. Don't be a double-minded Christian, double-fisted, double-minded. Serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. God says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Here the writer of Paul is encouraging the Philippians, when you have struggles, when you have problems, go to the Lord in prayer. Some uh, uh, Alicia gave me this after... Uh, an acronym for peace. Pray earnestly at crisis events. You know, it says there in uh, chapter 4, verse uh, 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace, this verse here, of God will it passes all understanding. You know, when Mr. Stafford wrote that song, there was a peace that passes all understanding. And God is able to give you that peace no matter what you go through in your life because you're trusting in Him and in His sovereignty. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace amongst yourselves. Better is a handful with quietness than both hands. Let me remind you of that. Who when he was reviled. Now this also comes to one more part here. And don't shut me out yet. Guess what? Peace controlled in your mind. Peace controlled in your tongue. Your tongue can get you in a lot of trouble. You just read James chapter 3. It can set a course on fire. Just because you hear something doesn't mean it's true. And just because it's true doesn't mean it needs to be repeated. May God help us with this. Who, when reviled, this is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, he reviled not again. I mean, they were saying all kinds of things. When he suffered, he threatened not. He could have called 10,000 angels and wiped them out just like that, couldn't he have? But committed himself to, to God to judge righteously. You know something, folks? Sometimes we think we've got to settle the score. We've got to get revenge. We've got to take justice in our own hands. God judges Righteously. Do you believe that? Yeah. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no hatred. 
Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. That'd be a good verse to memorize, wouldn't it? How many years did he give you? How many miles did he give you? There might be a reason for that. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Lord, who shall abide in the tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hills? Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall cause them to stumble. I just want to encourage you. You fall in love with the Lord. You live in His presence, in your mind, and put your tongue in heaven also. Would you do that? Me as well. You ever said something you wished you hadn't? We're guilty of it. We are a work in progress. We're growing up. May we grow up in this area of being peacemakers. That is responsibility to all of us. Father, I pray that as we come to this invitation time and heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Those that are getting baptized this morning, once you come and you can get ready for baptism if you would. But we're going to give an invitation while they're getting ready for, for baptism right now. You come. Those that are getting baptized. We're baptizing two folks this morning and, and four people tonight. Oh, I'm telling you, I'm excited about tonight to have communion. By the way, communion is a wonderful time to examine ourselves that we have peace with God, that we've accepted the Lord, and then we have peace with our brothers and sisters. And if God has put something on your heart this morning that you are at aught with your brother this morning, why don't you take care of it before you leave church today? The Bible says in, I believe it's Matthew's account, where the man came to the altar and he realized that he had aught with his heart and with his brother, and he went, and, and the Bible says, you leave that altar and you go take care of your brother before you sacrifice on the altar. Maybe you have a problem with your father. I heard of a situation this week where one of our men, he was challenged in the last few weeks to get right with his dad. He finally got right with his dad and God opened the windows of heaven to him. Don't hold on to anything. It's not worth it, my friend. It'll be cancer in your soul. And if you have aught with anybody in this church, you make sure you take care of it. You say, well, they don't know it. You can't get rid of it and you can't take care of it. You need to go make it right. And you know when you have aught because when that person comes around, there's a different feel that comes into your heart. There's a different way you treat somebody. You ought to love everyone as God loves us. For that is godly. Maybe you and your wife are not getting along. You and your husband are getting along. Or you and your children. Or you and your parents. Or you and your neighbors. Now sometimes you won't be able to make peace. As much as lies within you, make peace. If they forgive or they don't forgive, you be responsible for what God lays on your heart. And if He's speaking to your heart, why not take care of it right now? Before this service ends. And if you're not saved, my friend, make peace with God by inviting Jesus Christ in your heart. And you can do that right now. And if you do that right now, I'm going to tell you something. God will take away your sins and give you eternal life. Cry out unto Him and say, Oh God, forgive me and save my soul. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. May it be a work in our lives and 
you know, most of us have heard many of these things that maybe in some ways we've not really thought about being a peacemaker. Maybe we've not thought about it in this way of salvation and, and leading people to Jesus Christ. Maybe we haven't thought about it in, in one handful or two handfuls or that selfishness and, and fail to realize that we have wars and, and because we lust and we have not, we ask wrong and we're just so consumed with ourselves. Others, Lord, let others be my motto unto Thee. Oh, God, help us. If there's any ought that we have, help us to take care of it. Some of us can come, sometimes can have a contentious spirit, thinking that maybe we're standing for righteousness when really we're just standing for ourselves. God, help us. Help me as this preacher. Lord, I thank You for Your Word that's powerful. Now we're going to sing, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, Have Thine Own Way. And as people make decisions for Your glory, help us not to have just an academic exercise, but a change of heart. In Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet. Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Have Thine Own Way. I tell you what, God has spoke to my heart. And, and boy, these, these, these Beatitudes is something like I, just, I, I need to keep them before me to remind me. God help us as a church. This world needs to see Jesus Christ. They need to see the right kind of attitudes out there. And when difficulties come our way, instead of turning on the other person, you turn to support and you encourage that other person. You know, it's easy to kick a dog when it's down. But when he's got his teeth at you, boy, I'm telling you. Let's be honorable to the Lord. Let's pray. Let's, let's sing, have thine own way. You respond accordingly. Have I no Even as the choir sang, in the presence of Jehovah, there needs to be a calmness in our soul. And sometimes we need to take that time just to be yielded and still and come before the Lord and say, Lord, you just help me. Sometimes we don't even recognize what's going on in our soul. May God show us. Amen to that. And amen. Just before you sit down, there's a couple of... Uh, 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 things that we say, oh, okay, you go ahead and be seated, but we'll just go over these announcements before we have our baptism this morning so you can see them up on the screen there. But if there's other decisions to be made, I want to encourage you, make those decisions before you leave this morning. If you're not certain about your peace with God, please see me before you leave or see somebody and say, you know what, I want to make sure I have peace with God. Woo! It's great. Life Quest is their Bible study on... Uh, um, um, uh, Thursday nights. And then the bulletin has all these things. Unlocking Genesis, the mystery there. Oh, it's a great conference. You need to sign up online. We're going to be going up on Friday. We'll go up on Saturday. We'll be coming back after the 2 o'clock session, most of us. There is a lunch if you want to pay $10. Uh, there's nothing else in Jefferson, so either bring a lunch or pay, sign up for that lunch. If you want transportation, sign up on the back so we can provide transportation. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. Youth conference is coming up. Anniversary is here for Larry and Vivian Cox. Fifty years on Wednesday. Amen. Thank the Lord. Uh, 
for their wonderful, wonderful testimony. And then there's other announcements in the bulletin. If you'll read those over tonight, we're going to have a business meeting. We're going to have communion, and we're going to have baptism tonight. So we got a full evening tonight, and I'm just looking forward to a, a time to rejoice in God's goodness. Amen? Well, let's look, at, and can, uh, thank you for staying for our baptism a little bit longer today. Uh, Pastor Nathan's going to be doing the baptism at this time. church for a while and and heard that we were doing baptisms and and she uh, she said pastor Nathan I've never been baptized originally her church had taught that when you get saved you're baptized into Christ into the body of believers the church and so you didn't need to be water baptized and so now you've you've had a change of mind about right. that <laughs> and seeing what the Bible has done and so so Mary I'm just gonna ask you if if you died today and you stood before Jesus and he were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say, Mary? Because I, I, I accepted you as my Savior and I'm uh, very glad to be part of you know, keeping your people. Yeah, so accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior Amen. through the gospel. Right. Well, Mary... Baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of death, to do this. Talking, Blaine Pruitt uh, did a, a discipleship class with him, and it's just exciting to see what God's doing in Bill's life. And so, Bill, um, how do you know that your sins are forgiven, that, that you're on your way to heaven? Jesus died for my sins. Jesus died for his sins, and he's accepted Christ as his Savior. And so, we're very excited for our brother here. So, brother, you want to turn this way a little bit?
Amen. We rejoice with both of them. Amen. Well, what, want me to close in prayer? Why don't we close in prayer and then you'll be dismissed. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for the work that you've done in hearts. We're thankful for Mary and, and Bill and this, this step of faith and obedience. And Lord, we pray that you would just bless them for this and help them in their, their spiritual journey. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see that we have a responsibility to, to love you and to share you uh, with others and help others to grow to know you and to live for you. Lord, we are so thankful for the gospel. Lord, the water doesn't save us, but, but Christ does. And we're so thankful, Jesus, for what you've done. We love you now, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You are dismissed.